Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Managing Transitions with Adults with Disabilities. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on March 28, 2018. In this podcast, Donnie Green, Director of Aging Programs at North Central Texas Council of Government, discusses delivering transition services. So um, I will do my best to provide a view from the trenches. <laughs> um, my organization has been providing transition services for 11 years, and we're a bit of a non-traditional provider in Texas. Most of the transition providers are Centers for Independent Living, or SILs, and we owe a tremendous debt to the SILs. Uh, for 10 years, we provided transition services under contract with the state. And as Elizabeth mentioned, um, we recently um, started contracting directly with the MCOs that provide Medicaid waiver services to adults with disabilities. Our role during the transition process is to advocate for participants and, as Elizabeth mentioned, to um, put into place those community-based services and supports that are required for non-medical reasons. Um, the, the plans will focus on the health and safety-related needs, and um, the transition specialists will work on just about everything else. So when we get a referral for uh, transition services, um, next slide, please. Uh, within two weeks, we will go out and do an assessment. Um, and our, our purpose in gathering that data is to determine not only what the participant needs, but I think more important, her wants, preferences, and desires. So we're looking at um, medical condition. We're looking at need for care. We're looking at supports. We're looking at um, housing preferences of the person interested in uh, returning to her own home, living with family, going to an assisted living facility. And all of that information is used in order to develop a person-centered plan. Um, so next slide. Um, so again, the, the plans will typically take the lead on the health and safety-related issues the um, pieces of the transition plan that um, usually consume most of our energy would be housing. Uh, we also work on arranging non-medical transportation, money management services for those who may have difficulty managing their personal finances. Uh, we're reaching out to food pantries. We're connecting people with uh, federal, state, and, and local resources, in some cases volunteer programs. So all of that information is transferred um, into a person-centered plan, and that plan includes the dis discrete tasks that are necessary for the transition process. The plan will assign responsibility to either the participant or the transition specialist or in some cases, family members, nursing facility staff. And then the plan will also establish a target date for each objective as well as for the overall transition. Next slide. And one of the things I really love about the Texas program is it doesn't target those participants who um, 
are most likely to transition, it, it targets those who face the greatest barriers to independent living. And because of that, the transition process is rarely quick and easy. Um, so after that plan is developed, the transition specialist will remain in contact with the participant, typically making contact at least monthly until such time as the participant either successfully relocates or withdraws from the program. Um, when all of the pieces are in place, the transition specialist is responsible for being present on the date of relocation, ensuring that everything is ready to go, that if grant purchases have been made, that um, all of the items have been delivered, the utilities are on, the DME is in place, the providers are showing up, um, and meet with the health plan service coordinator just to do a final check. As Elizabeth mentioned, the transition specialist is responsible for following up for 90 days post-relocation and confirming that all of the services that were outlined on the transition plan, on the um, health plans, uh, service plan are in place, um, but also to determine how well that participant is adjusting to relocation um, to see if um, she's experiencing any issues with social isolation or requiring additional services. Um, next slide. So some of the challenges that, that we confront include locating affordable, accessible, and integrated housing. And certainly this is not unique to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, although in rapid growth areas such as ours, um, it, it can be a tremendous challenge. Um, and one of the things that the state has done to address this issue, which has been very, very successful, is develop a partnership with the state housing um, organization, the Texas Department of Housing and Community Affairs. And um, that agency has set aside some Section 8 housing choice vouchers for the benefit of nursing home residents who are returning to the community, as well as individuals who are exiting the state psychiatric hospitals. So those vouchers have been invaluable um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, all of the public housing authorities are frozen, um, not accepting applications, and typically um, folks are seeing waits of two years and longer for vouchers through the housing authorities. So this, um, this um, state-administered housing voucher program has been invaluable. Another challenge is um, given the nature of the Texas program, it does target individuals with, with complex needs. Most of the participants have been in the facilities for six months or longer. Most are without housing. A disproportionate share um, have severe mental illness, intellectual and developmental disabilities. We also target those who require assistance with five or more activities of daily living, those who require ventilator care. And in working with participants who have multiple complex needs, it really does take a village. So if an individual is, does have intellectual or developmental disabilities, there are established protocols for coordinating with the local authority for intellectual and developmental disabilities. And that local authority case manager 
is a key member of the treatment team. If an individual has severe mental illness, oftentimes the local authority for um, mental health is, is involved as well. Um, next slide, please. So some of the tr successes that we've realized are high volumes of successful transitions despite targeting those with complex needs. And high is a, is a relative term. So within our region, we're transitioning about 30 to 40 individuals a month. So not big numbers, but um, some of those individuals have been in nursing facilities for 15 years or longer. The vast majority are without housing. So um, what we see is of those people who come into the program, about half successfully transition. So each month we're assessing about 70 individuals, relocating about 35 individuals a month. Um, we've done well at creating a comprehensive network of supports. Um, Texas has um, invested funds in providing options counseling to nursing home residents who have Medicaid pending or, in, or are using their Medicare benefits uh, for a nursing home stay. And that provides an opportunity for residents to have access to wise counsel to start identifying needs and um, cobbling together a transition plan even before the individual will be approved for Medicaid and assigned to a health plan. Um, the state has also invested in some behavioral health services that I'll mention. Um, I think we've also done well within the state at coordinating with the long-term care ombudsman, um, who are invaluable resources in terms of identifying residents who may be interested in relocating, as well as advocating for residents' rights if the facility is blocking their transition efforts or if the facilities have issued them involuntary discharge notices and have not followed the procedures for doing that, the ombudsman can get involved and advocate for the residents. Next slide. Elizabeth talked um, at some detail about the community transition teams, which are really helpful forums. I think they work well on two levels, not only addressing the policy barriers, but also providing an opportunity for teams to collaborate on behalf of participants with multiple complex needs. Texas has also done well at promoting the consumer-directed service option. Um, that's a wonderful um, delivery option for participants who may have family members or friends who are willing and able to provide services but require some kind of compensation in order to do so. Um, consistently, uh, participant satisfaction with the consumer-directed service option is much higher than it is for the more traditional agency-managed service option. Uh, next slide. Texas has also invested in overnight services for, particip for participants with very high acuity levels. And um, that pilot allowed attendants to be available, in some cases 24 hours a day, on standby during the night. Um, also, uh, Texas has invested in some behavioral health pilots, um, one that provided cognitive adaptation therapy 
two participants with severe mental illness up to one year before transition as well as one year post-transition. Next slide. Also, uh, Texas has, um, has conducted targeted outreach to nursing facility residents who require ventilator care. And this was a response to some concerns that were raised by um, the disability community. And so the state Medicaid agency brought together all of the health plans, the transition contractors, also brought in family members of individuals who required ventilator care and had successfully transitioned. And um, they provided advice, counsel, kind of best practices. Um, as a result of that, the health plans reached out to all of their members in nursing facilities who were on ventilator care um, to determine their interest in transitioning. Only about 10% were interested. Um, and at that point, the plans convened the interdisciplinary teams to assist those, those participants in returning to the community. Next slide. So I would like to end my remarks with uh, a case study of a successful transition. And uh, Cowboy was a participant who had cerebral palsy, um, had been man managing fairly well in the community until he uh, experienced a stroke. Uh, he went into a nursing facility, was there for several months, and was miserable. Um, he had some family but was estranged, really alone in the world and um, he required assistance with all of his activities of daily living. As is often the case, he had to give up his apartment, and he was willing to go anywhere, um, but was having difficulty finding housing he could afford. He was willing to consider assisted living facilities, but they declined based on his care needs. Uh, the transition specialist, who was uh, with the Center for Independent Living, found a manufactured home that had been foreclosed, and helped him purchase it for $1,000. Even though he received SSI only, they were able to work out a payment plan that worked for him. Um, the home did require some modifications. The transition specialist was successful in finding community partners who were willing and able to make those modifications. Cowboy was not able to manage his own um, checks because he couldn't sign his name. And so the transition specialist found a volunteer money manager. So um, it, it took months and months and months of planning, um, but really turned out beautifully. Um, shortly after transitioning, Cowboy um, joined a bowling league. And uh, with the help of his attendant, um, he would eye the ball. The attendant would throw the ball. Um, Cowboy saw his transition as a life-changing event and um, started going to nursing facilities and mentoring uh, participants who are interested in relocating. Um, every year on the anniversary of his transition, he would call his transition specialist and thank her for, um, in his words, breaking me out of jail. <laughs> and um, Cowboy has since passed away. Um, but um, he passed away in the community on his own terms. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. 
MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.